Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Joining us from anywhere else in the world, we just want you to feel right at home, occupy this space. We're going to have a great time this morning. We're in part two of what was going to be just a single message within a series. So this is a little bit like uh, messages within messages. And this message that I started a fortnight ago, two weeks ago, was uh, uh, freedom from fear. And so this is freedom from fear part two, but it's also part four within Mind Your Own, the series that we started on managing and maintaining and looking after and exploring the opportunities for that great piece of equipment that you have on the inside of that cranium of yours called your brain or your mind and how all of this works. I, I find it just fascinating. It's incredible how, how much God's given us and how awesome uh, expanding and exploring the mind of Christ is. So if, if, you, if you're uh, looking for a challenge and you're looking to drive something that's better than a Lamborghini or a Maserati or uh, whatever, it's just this is your opportunity. You get to do this, and it's, uh, it's a great thing. Some people, what is he going to say next? I like that. You, you're filling in blanks right now. Ah, some people get up my nose. Some people are amazing. Some people pay a lot of money to be afraid or to be frightened. Hollywood makes a lot of money frightening people. Does anybody like scary movies? I don't. I don't. And if you do, you're weird. But anyway, <laughs> I don't like scary movies, and I don't pay good money to get scared. But a lot of people do skydiving, bungee jumping. I've got a, a pastor friend that's down in Tasmania right now diving with sharks. Uh, he's, yeah, that's weird, you're weird. Like, he's in a cage, so they can't actually get to him. And he, and he said, uh, posted on Facebook, he said, oh, we went down there today and, the, and those sharks showed up. And I thought, yeah, they're afraid of you. That's why they're paying good money just, you know, to stay away from you. Uh, also said, you, if you do get the encounter with the shark, you're, you're only going to come back half the man that you were. You know, there's all kinds. The jokes just roll off my tongue when it comes to this stuff. And, but, but people pay good money to be afraid. And, and there is a type of fear. In fact, if you look up the definition of fear just in the dictionary without looking at scriptures, you'll see that fear is defined as an emotion. God gave you emotions. And because God gave you that emotion, it's okay to be afraid. There's nothing wrong with that. However, there is a fear that shifts from being just a normal emotional kind of fear into something that we would call a, a, a phobia. In fact, the uh, Greek word for fear actually means exactly that. Fear or dread is phobos. It's a phobia. And so normal fear, dila in the Greek language, which uh, comes from Dios, is, is actually uh, not a bad word. But when fear takes on a spiritual form, in other words, you come into agreement with that fear, you start to imagine, to ponder all the what-ifs that could go wrong with whatever it is in your life, then fear all of a sudden invites all of its friends. Fear has a lot of friends, and if you open up the door to fear, 
you'll find that all the friends come flooding into the living room or the space of your head. And all of those friends like torment, really good friends to have. Uh, anguish, worry is a really good uh, uh, friend of fear. All, all the friends come in and they'll sit in the living room of your mind while you entertain them with imaginations and one thought after another. The emotion of fear is normal. It's a good thing. You, you have to have that. You have that from birth so that you know if a dog's growling, showing its teeth, don't touch the doggy. You know, get out of there as quick as you can. Don't touch a hot fire because you're going to get burned. There's a lot of things in life. Don't step too close to the edge of that cliff because danger, danger, danger. You're going to fall off. Fear in the emotional realm that God gave us is normal, but phobia kind of fear is not. Now, there are basically two types of fear. I covered this last, uh, the last time we talked about freedom from fear, but there's the fear of men. I think it says in, in, in Proverbs, it says that uh, the, the fear of man uh, is a snare, and it'll prove to be a snare. Whoever trusts in the Lord, however, will be kept safe, Proverbs 29, uh, 25. So there is a, a, a fear that, that we have that we don't want to grab a hold of, and that's to be afraid of what other people's opinions are to us. The fear of death is another one. The Bible talks about that. It says, you know, the, the, the fear of death uh, is people become a prisoner. They live their whole life subject to the fear uh, of death. A lot of what we experience as fear is the fear of death, although we wouldn't think of it that way. The fear of death of a dream the fear of death of our job, the fear of death of our investments in the economy, what's going to happen, how am I going to live, how am I going to feed my family. All of these things come back to a fear that something's going to die or a fear of somebody's opinion of us. Now, the Bible gives us something awesome in uh, the Scripture. and We're going to go over there to 2 Timothy. It's kind of been our... our um, foundational scripture, if you will, for this message on freedom from fear. And in 2 Timothy, it says this in verse 1, uh, chapter, chapter 1, rather, verse, 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, for God has not given us, here we, here we have the phobia, uh, phobia kind of fear, where fear turns paranormal, if you will. God has not given us a spirit of fear but power, love, and a sound mind. Now, I want to, again, I want to go back and visit each of these, but not in great detail with power and love, but uh, we will go and, and, and explore what it means to have a sound mind. But 2 Timothy 1.7 in the Amplified Bible says this, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice, or fear, but he has given a spirit of power and love and sound judgment. So calm is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Well balanced is living in harmony, not conformity, but in harmony with our environment that we begin to understand the environment that surround us and properly interpret that environment. Disciplined 
is where we get the word disciple of which we are for following Christ. We are disciples of his, which means we have self-control or mastery over ourselves. The biggest part of ourselves that we need to master is our mind. We need to have mastery over our thought lives lest they run wild and lest uh, they destroy us. So control of my thought life is the biggest challenge. I believe it's the frontier of being a disciple of Christ. So God's given us three forces, if you will, for us to gain control over fear so that fear does not become a phobia or paranormal or, if you will, a spirit of fear. The first one, power, dunamis, it's miracle-working, explosive power that comes from being a believer, from operating in faith. It's, it's, it's a power that's greater than your fears. It's power activated through faith. Now, love is amazing because the Greek word, many of you know this, but the Greek word for love is the word agape. And agape love is the God kind of love. In fact, Galatians 5, 6 says this. It says, now faith works by love. Faith works when, 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 you, uh, when you tap into the fact that God loves you, but fear works when you doubt God's love. The moment that I start doubting whether God loves me and whether I'm accepted based upon my track record, then all of a sudden fear starts to come in. But fear loses its power when you know and accept that you are loved by God. The Bible goes to great lengths to say that uh, we love because he first loved us. That God showed us such great love on the cross that, that we, we, we must never doubt the fact that God loves us unconditionally, not based on your track record, how good you are, but, but based purely on the fact that he is love. You are the apple of his eye. He loves you unconditionally. You must get that settled to settle your mind. Otherwise, the other types of fear come in because fear is a taker, loves a giver. Fear has one consuming thing, and when you shift into this, your thought life will change into something. It will become something that it's not meant to be. You'll start to dwell on things that you're not meant to be uh, dwelling on because fear has you on your mind. So many people are preoccupied, so preoccupied with themselves that of course they have fear because they're just worried about what's going to happen to me all the time. In fact, the biggest, one of the biggest uh, blockades, if you will, to fear is called ego. It's pride. I can't step out like God wants me to step out because if I fail, what are they going to think of the most important person in my whole world? Me. What are they going to think of me? If I let people know that I go to church and I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, what are they going to think if I risk it, step across the room, share my faith with somebody? What are they going to think if I invest in, in the future of God's church and God's work and put uh, the kingdom of God first? And what, what are they going to think if I fail? You see, I've got me on my mind. And to get me off my mind, I have to tap into something called love because, because love is a giver, not a taker. When I start to give 
then all of a sudden now it's not about me. The narrative is not about me. It's not about self. It's, it's about what can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I make my world a better world? How can I serve God unconditionally? When I start to see that he loves me unconditionally, now all of a sudden I am free from that. See, fear will limit your life. Fear is the biggest limiter probably that there is. So if you have a fear of, of, of falling, you're always going to stay low to the ground. You don't want to fall. If you have a, 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 a fear of what people think of you, again, with your ego and your pride and everything else, then you'll never risk anything. You'll never step out and do anything because you're afraid of falling in front of people. You're afraid that you're going to embarrass yourself based upon what they say because the snare of man, it's the, it's the fear of men. That, that, that brings that, that snare, that keeps you snared, it keeps, you, keeps, it keeps a limit on your life so that you can't step above that limit. You can't, the sky's not the limit anymore. Fear is the limit. And the break that God's given us power and love, his love. So I don't have me on my mind. I don't have to worry about it. I really don't. I, I like the fact that in, in a good way, in a good way, I don't really care what people think of me. <laughs> I crossed that bridge a long time ago. It was a hard bridge to cross, and many of you haven't crossed it yet. You've got way too much of you on your mind. You think more highly of yourselves than you ought to. And so fear of falling or failing in front of people, your ego, your pride, and the fact that you have not received the love of God. You haven't settled the fact that God loves me unconditionally. That's the most important person in existence that I care about. If he loves me, what does it care about? Why do I care about men? What can they do to me? It doesn't mean the emotion of fear is not going to come in if I step too close to the edge of the cliff or if, if there's uh, impending danger of some kind. Of course, there's going to be that emotional fear, but I'm not inviting its friends back into my life based upon worry. I think we all have dealt with fear over our lives, and sometimes that fear is something that's brought in at childhood. I grew up in a... Um, suburb of, of Detroit, downriver from Detroit, called Melvindale. And Melvindale's kind of a blue-collar town. There are only about, I don't know, 10,000 people or so in Melvindale. It's not a big place. I don't even know what a Melvindale means. To be honest, I have no idea why they called it Melvindale. Uh, all I know is that's where, for part of my life, when my brother and I lived with our aunt and uncle, that we uh, had a home there. We lived in this small two-bedroom uh, house that had an attic where my brother and I lived upstairs. It also had a basement. And I remember once my dad had come back from the Mardi Gras in New Orleans, and he brought a clown doll, like a fairly big-sized clown doll. And I, I don't know why, but that clown doll frightened, it, it frightened me to, to wit's end. There was just something about it. I don't know, anybody frightened of clowns or anybody don't like clowns? But the basement in this house, it was, it was a place where we'd go and play, and it was, you know, had our toys down there. There's a workshop down there. And, and there was nothing about the basement. We don't have basements here, but they're in the ground over there. There's nothing, per se, about the basement that's, that's uh, evil or foreboding. Or nobody killed anybody down there. But I used to have this dream that I'd fall down the stairs, 
into the basement. It was dark. This is creepy. <laughs> and at the bottom of the stairs, and this was a recurring dream that followed me well into my teen years, there was a clown. That clown was waiting there at the bottom of the basement, the stairs, for me. And I remember, oh, no, it's that dream again. Ah. And I, I, I just, it, was, it turned into a nightmare is what it did. You know, to this day, I don't like clowns. <laughs> that clown seriously would tickle me until <laughs> I couldn't breathe. That's all it did, but it would... I couldn't breathe. It's like, ha, <laughs> And then I'd, I'd wake up. I remember one time I, I, I woke up and I thought, you ever have a dream that's so real that you, you're in the dream, but you think, this isn't a dream, this is real. Like, but I know I'm dreaming, but I know it's real. Anybody been there? And, and it was one of those dreams, and I, and I could feel the hands uh, of this clown tickling me underneath the armpits. And I thought, this is real. I, I know I'm dreaming, but I'm feeling this. I could feel its hands tickling me. I woke up, and I was lying on my stomach with my hands underneath me, and, and I was trying to get away. And every time I did, I was actually tickling myself underneath the arms with my own hands. Figure that one out. Like wild dreams. But I remember having to break that off of my life so that I could not have an unhealthy fear going on, a phobia of clowns, if you will, in my life. Now, I still don't like them, but I don't fear them. And I think what it was with the clowns was that a clown is somebody that puts on a mask or they put makeup on, they put a big smile of makeup, and they, they, they look like something that's not authentic. It's not really who they are underneath. And, and, I, and I, I could see that I didn't like pretentious people in my life. In Detroit, where I come from, it's like, tell it like it is. I'm from Detroit. I'm proud of being from Detroit. Why? Because we just tell it like it is. We call a spade a spade. That's, you know, that's part of Detroit. Somebody would say, you know, Detroit's a place, you know, talk is cheap. We don't, if we talk, we mean it. Blue collar. It's like, you know, next to the Ford factory. And authentic and being real, it became so much a part of who I was that I, I just did not like this whole clown outfit thing. And I still don't to this day. I, I like people to just, just be real. Just be who you are. When I discovered that God loved me unconditionally, that he just accepted Ed for who Ed is. And if you're listening or you're here this morning, he accepts you exactly for who you are. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to put on a clown outfit. In fact, I would encourage you to take the clown outfit off because underneath it is a beautiful person that God made. You don't have to be afraid of what people think of you. You can step out and do something that God's put on your heart. Maybe that's a career move. Perhaps that's uh, something to, to do with the kingdom of God in another way. You can step out and be who you are, and don't worry about falling and failing in front of people. It's all part of life. But if you don't do that, if you don't overcome this thing called fear, you won't do it because fear freezes you. You'll never tell somebody about Jesus. You'll never pray for the sick. You, you, you'll, you will never love people. You'll be worried about whether it's going to be reciprocated or not, whether or not they're going to love you back in return. But when you cross that bridge that you are loved, you are accepted, 
power starts to come in. The power of God's love will break down barriers. You can be you. Be the best you that God made. That's who God's looking for. God is looking for people that would push through fear barriers and just be the best that he made them. Now, the Bible says that, that perfect love casts out all fear. I, I touched on this last time, but notice it doesn't say love casts out fear. It says perfect love casts out fear. There's only one perfect, and that's him. Perfect love is God. When Jesus steps in, there is perfect love that casts out all fear. As long as you know that he's in the fire with you, you don't have to worry about getting burned. Even the stench of smell is not going to be uh, on your garments. You've got it. You've got it. If that fourth man is in the fiery furnace like those Hebrews, then, then no worry at all. We could throw a party in there because perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love because it goes on to say that, that with fear there's torment. The torment of worry, the torment of ang anguish, the thoughts running through your mind, all the what-ifs and everything else. But when perfect love steps into your life, aren't you glad for Jesus? Because when perfect love stepped into my life, fear had to go. Whatever perfect love calls me to do, I don't have to worry about anything because he's there with me. Perfect love cast out all fear. Now, there are some amazing things about love, and I just want to, uh, you know, give you a, a few of these things that, uh, so that we can actually step out of that. Number one is, uh, not really number one or two or whatever, but, uh, you know, when you think about, when you think about yourself, the big question is, who do you think you are? So you want to, you want to do something that, just takes your breath away. For me, it was public speaking. I, I had a real fear about standing up in front of people and talking. I, I couldn't talk to two or three people. I'd just fall apart. And, and, the, and the thought was, well, who do you think you are? I didn't want to stand out from the pack. I didn't want to step out. I had to shrink back. And fear put a lid on, uh, on my life in that area. And I remember when I realized I'm actually called, I've got a message, and I actually have to open my mouth and share that message. I get to do this. But fear kept holding me back in that area until I discovered love and what love says about me. Until I answered the question, and until you answer the question, who do you think you are? Well, I know who I am now. I'm a child of a king. I'm a king's kid. That's who I think I am. I'm loved unconditionally. That's who I think I am. I'm the apple of my father's eye. That's who I think I am. Who do you think you are doing that, stepping out, taking that risk, obeying what God tells you to do? And if you don't answer who God says you are, then fear will take your breath away. You won't have a voice. You won't step out. You won't do anything for God because you've got the wrong picture of who you are. Who you are is who God says you are. There are some amazing scriptures about who you are. You are more than a conqueror, the Bible says. I am more than a conqueror. You are fearfully 
and wonderfully made. Wow. God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. You've got destiny. You're a daughter of the king or a son of the king. God loves you unconditionally. Who do you think you are? I'll tell you who I am. Can you tell the devil who you are when he tries to put that in your life? Who do you think you are? You don't want to stand out. You don't, you don't want to do anything. And what if you fail? Then what are you going to do then? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to rejoice that God gave me an opportunity to fail. I'm going to pick it back up again. I'm going to smile at the devil on my way back up again. I'm going to tell him who I am. I'm a child of the king, the apple of my father's eye. I'm, a, I'm God's most treasured possession. I am, I, I'm the reason that Jesus went to the cross. There is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out all fear. It drives it out. The answer is Jesus every single time when he steps in. He's the answer to your problem with fear. What did Jesus do when he stepped in back in the, in the Gospels? He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He went to great lengths to walk on water just to be with his, his disciples. He always shows up and there's always joy and, and, and never condemnation. The first words out of his mouth were more than like, fear not, fear not. They looked at him and they thought, man, like who is this? When he steps in, fear steps out. But you won't, you won't fear if you know that God loves you. I love Romans 8, 38 and 39. Listen to this. New King James Version it says this, For I am persuaded, Paul says, you got to be persuaded. I am persuaded. Whew. Have you ever been persuaded about something? A lot of you now are persuaded about a whole lot of stuff that's going on right now with the economy and the, and the world. And, you know, you've got the gossip. You've got the, you've got the truth because you Googled it. You know, there it is. You are persuaded. Have you ever tried to deal with a person that's persuaded and show them another side of, of an argument? Good luck. It's not going to happen. They're persuaded. Met a guy at the gym. He is persuaded that the only Bible is the King James Version of the Bible. That's it. I just used the NIV, the New King James, the Amplified. I got saved with a living Bible. But he's persuaded. The only Bible is the King James Bible. And I said to him what I said to uh, Another person that told me that was the only Bible, I said, that's a real shame. What do you mean by that? I said, because there's about a billion people in China. They don't even speak English, let alone Elizabethan English. They don't read English. They don't read King James English. They're never going to know the truth because the, the only Bible is the King James Version of the Bible. And I said to this guy, I said, it's, a, it's, it's further, it's a big shame because there's a, over a billion people in a place called India, Pakistan, the subcontinent, who, who don't speak English, let alone Elizabethan English. And if that's the only Bible, then they're all doomed to never know the Word of God. How in the heck are we going to reach these people? Well, changes the subject and off he goes. Because people don't think. But he was persuaded, see? persuaded. And Paul says this. I love the fact that Paul was persuaded. We need to be fully persuaded. I am persuaded of what, Paul? 
that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come well, I'm so worried about the future. Paul wasn't. Paul was persuaded that even things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Oh, isn't that good news? How persuaded are you that nothing could separate you from the love of God? How persuaded are you that you are the apple of God's eye, that he will look, look after you? How persuaded are you that you are totally, completely accepted, not based on your track record, but based on his track record, based upon him being love himself? How persuaded are you to the extent that you are persuaded, that's the extent that you will walk with no fear in your life. To the extent that you doubt it, it's probably the doorway that is open, that's wreaking havoc. In so many people's lives today, they're just frozen and choked up with fear of everything that's going on. And when this is all gone, they'll be, they'll be afraid and choked up and frozen for the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. So what happens? They live their whole life frozen and not doing anything that God wants them to do because of fear. Now, the third thing, and we will um, we'll finish this particular message with this, but there's going to be a uh, there's going to be a third one when it comes to freedom from fear. I promise you that, and, and more with mind your own. But the third thing it says is a sound mind, power, and love, and a sound mind. A sound mind is a disciplined mind that embraces the truth of God's word. So fear, again, establishes the boundaries of your freedom. If you're afraid of heights, you play it low. Afraid of people, you just stay alone. If you're afraid of the outdoors, you stay inside. So fear becomes your limitation. But here's a fact. Most things that you fear are never going to happen anyway. They don't happen. Most of the things that you're afraid of right now are probably not going to happen. They're just dark shadows uh, of negative possibility. So fear is a pessimistic faith about the future. They, they paint the worst possible scenario that could happen, and worry will just suck the energy right out of your soul. So stop worrying about things that you can't control and focus upon, again, the love of God, a, a, a sound mind. Back, back in the olden days, when you used to take pictures with an old-school camera, you remember that? A lot of you, most of you guys do. And you'd put your roll of 35 millimeter film or whatever it was in the camera. You'd scroll the thing forward till number one, so you could take number one picture. And then when you finished exhausting that roll of film, you had to take it to um, somebody to develop that film. And what they would do is they would take that roll of film into what was known as a, a dark room. Because if that was exposed to the light, then it would ruin the film and your pictures would be gone. And fear is developed in the dark room of your mind. Fear is developed in darkness. But the entrance of God's word brings light. 
And when you take that image that's in your head of all the stuff that could go wrong that you're afraid of, and you bring that out into the light of God's Word, all of a sudden now, <laughs> the image is gone. It ruins the image. You understand that? I don't want those images developed in my mind. Because God wants some things developed in my mind. They're not ever developed in darkness. They're developed in the light of His Word. In the entrance of that light, it'll bring freedom into your life. What is it now, right now, that you're, you, you dwell upon that, and it's like, it's like a movie theater in, in your head, and you've invited the audience to come in. You've invited, again, all the fierce friends to come into the space of your head, sit down and watch this presentation. And it's fed by media, internet, the news, all the rest of it. It's like, come on in. Yeah, we're, we're, we got a few movies lined up for us today. Come on in. Have a seat. I'll get some popcorn. We'll get a bit of chocolate. We'll get some drinks going. Let's enjoy this movie. And the whole movie is about what, what's going to go wrong and how you're going to be part of it because you're, you're now invited to be part of the cast of this particular movie and, and you are going down all this bad stuff. It is coming your way. So you just freeze up and brace yourself. And you can, in, in your mind's eye, you've allowed something to develop in darkness and worry. And then very physical, real results come in with phobias. All of a sudden now you wonder, why, why have I got, got to go to the doctor and check, have a checkup? The doctor says, yeah, you got an ulcer. Oh, I wonder where that came from. You got high blood pressure. Your heart's not doing real good. Your relationships are stressed all the time. You're not walking in freedom. There's no joy surrounding your life. Because you've got the dark theater going with all the movies, one after another. And all the friends are over watching the same screening that you've allowed into your thought life. Then try to battle these things spiritually. Oh, you devil, you foul devil. You invited him in, but you don't know how he got an invitation. You don't know how he got into your movie theater. So many houses nowadays have home theaters. You got to make sure all the windows are shut or don't even put any windows in it. Just shut that door. Make it as dark as possible. Get surround sound. Get lots of screaming and stuff going on because you're watching a frightening movie. Something's going to happen to you. Not something good is going to happen to you today. Something bad is going to happen to you today. Isn't this great? It's your lucky day. Your lucky day is an unlucky day. Wow! <laughs> so this whole thing gets painted in the dark room of your mind. How do you shut that off? I'm so thankful because God's given us power and love. They all play in together. They work together. God's got friends that will come into that movie theater. He'll go, oh, what are you watching there? Oh, I can see that. How's about we just push stop on that? And let's get some fresh air into this room. Let's open some doors right now. Let's open the windows. Let's, let's get some, some of my friends. Come on in power. Come on, come on in love. Ha, ha, you know, stand here with my friend here that's been indulging themselves and, and, and going to an early grave. 
And let's just shut off some of those things that feed that screen, that feed you wrong information. The wrong information is anything that's not based upon the Word of God. The Word of God's really clear. So God invites the presence. His presence comes in when you invite Him in. The Holy Spirit comes in. And in the presence of God, guess what? It's not full of fear. In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. Oh, I can tell when somebody's in the presence of God or not. It's written all over their face. It's called a smile. Religion frowns. Religion doesn't smile. Religion just reads out law. Religion actually is a good friend of fear. Let's just put some, some more fear into this. Let's go door knocking and ask people, are you afraid of the world today? Here's some literature for you. Oh, my goodness. That's good news. So you come out of that being afraid of your world into a bound up, safe environment called religion full of do's and don'ts. And if you don't do it quite that way, then you've done it the wrong way. And you, my friend, are in trouble. So all of a sudden, the school teacher called the law becomes somebody that's going to kill you. It's, a, it's that clown waiting at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> How do you get freedom from fear? Well, there's several ways, and I, I don't have point one, point two, but for sound mind anyway, your, your thinking needs to be adjusted to the thinking of God's Word. Not bad things are coming my way. But <laughs> my God, He's on the throne. In fact, most of us that are afraid of the world situations and, you know, the world's always been a mess until the gospel comes in and God's church rises up to do something about it. It's going to continue to be a mess. But when we're looking at all of that stuff and feeding upon that and not seeing that God's actually given us soundness of mind to cut through all the darkness, to stand up and go, I'm a child of the light. I walk in the light. And the light says, I am a, I'm a conqueror. The light says, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. The light says, of God's word, says he's given me a spirit of joy. So if it's not bringing joy, then the spirit's not there. And, and, and because I walk free from fear, I laugh my way through situations. People don't like that. I love it. I absolutely love it because I don't need drugs. I don't need alcohol. I don't need to be popping all these pills or, or going to therapy or whatever it is. Not that I'm saying that's wrong. Whatever, you know, it takes to get you better. But joy is incredible. But it only comes in the presence of God, in the presence of light. It's not there in the darkness. It's not invited in there. That's, that's the door that shuts that out. So I invite people of faith into my world. I like the fact that a sound mind gives me an optimistic mind. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, you're just talking about the power of positive thinking. Well, I'd rather talk about that than the power of negative thinking, thank you. Yes, there's way more to it than that, of course. But that'll go a long way just in itself. <laughs> but it's all back to your mind. It's all back to your thought life. So a sound mind is when the light comes in and, and the images, the cares, the anxiety, the, weary, the, the, the worry, the thoughts of fear that present themselves are not allowed in. 
So I'm going to give you um, very... No, I'm not. This is going to be too much. We're going to have to wait to part three next week. <laughs> I've got symptoms of a sound mind. And, oh man, if I go there, then uh, I'll, I'll have to rush, rush a good meal. We don't need to do that, do we? Well, next week, we're going to do part three, uh, Freedom from Fear and part five or whatever it is in mind your own. I really encourage you to tap into these things. Get a hold of them. But right now, I'd like to give you a chance to ask Jesus into your heart. When he comes in, light comes into your life. There'll be a change, believe me. When you ask him into your heart, there's always a change in your life. It may be dramatic as it is with some people they just come straight out of darkness bam into the light and it's like the most dramatic conversion ever others like myself it was rather um, melodramatic it wasn't dramatic really <laughs> in that way but it was a very thoughtful and slow process that God brought me out of uh, a lot of darkness either way you're coming out. Amen? Either way, there is freedom from fear. Either way, you, when you ask Jesus into your heart and something amazing happens, perfect love enters in and casts out all fear in your life. So if you're a candidate for that, you're here right now, you're watching online, I just want to pray for you to ask Jesus Christ, light himself, love himself, truth himself into your heart wherever you're at right now. And then we're going to pray a prayer to break off whatever you've been entertaining that's causing fear and darkness in your life. We're going to break that off. In fact, this whole series is, is about transforming or renewing your mind. So we're going to do that. Amen. And I've got another message coming up that's going to be on demolishing strongholds. We're going to, I can't wait to get into that. We are to pull down strongholds and every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We're going to do that, so get ready for some amazing stuff. Right now, if you want to pray this prayer after me, just say this, Dear God, I thank you for sending your Son to be light, life, love into my world. Jesus, come into my heart Deliver me from fear. And I thank you right now for saving me. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, please hit us up online. We've got uh, the address will come up at the end uh, for emails. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please do that. It helps more people uh, get the message to more people out there. We also have podcasts. So if you go to our website or our app, those things will come up and, and you can listen to messages in your car through a podcast. You can watch them on your television or your iPhone or whatever you've got going um, and just push pause on the preacher, look the things up, write them down, take some notes, let God speak to you. That's the best way to get the most out uh, of any message and let the, let the Holy Spirit speak to you and use it as a Bible study, if you will. Uh, Look, if you study what we're talking about in a whole week, you'll, you'll come out of it with some amazing things. If you don't agree with everything the preacher says, it's okay. 
it's it's perfectly okay. Just take whatever you can. I like what Kenneth Hagin used to say, you know, be like an old cow, eat the straw, spit out the sticks. If there's some sticks in there, spit it out, move on, get some more straw into you and just feed upon the Word of God. And uh, you are going to be uh, an amazingly transformed person. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.